cash flow, bringing cash into the business earlier, which is hugely important for working capital and reinvesting in new stock. And then third is cost, so reducing that excess stock and making sure that demand and supply are as close together as possible. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast, here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. Thank you for hitting play and choosing to listen to one of our inspiring guests. In this episode, we're going to do another one of our little masterclasses. Yep, this is a new thing I'm testing at the moment. If you've got opinions, get in contact, let me know what you think, uh, where we're talking to experts in different and unusual areas of e-commerce, mainly from the supplier side, to find out or to pick their brains, really, on what's going on. Now, the last one we did was about merchandising. We were talking to someone who's done a lot of merchandising over the years. In this one, vaguely related, we're talking about overstocks, but my guest is someone who's got some fresh new technology that I think you'll enjoy finding out about. But we're also going to talk about the wider ways in which you can deal with your overstocks better or avoid them in the first place, which is even better. Lots coming up on um, surprising customer behaviour stuff that they've discovered. Uh, I would have thought, well, you'll find out what I hear as you listen to the episode. Please listen to the end of this episode so you don't miss out on my guest's top tips where he's providing some really clever suggestions, especially in the tools area. Although the marketing, the, you know, the traffic top tip is pretty good too. So listen to the end for all of that and then you'll get my take on this episode too. Cheers. Are you part of the free Chloe's e-commerce club? Why not? It's my free online club where the whole e-commerce master plan audience can come together. It's all about helping you improve your e-commerce business, solving your marketing challenges, getting advice from other retailers who are facing the same challenges as you right now. And yes, I will personally be hanging out in the club Monday to Friday to help you too, which makes it the only place where you can get my help one-on-one. It really is a club all about you and supporting your business. Come on and join me now. Just go to ecmp.info forward slash club. It's totally free to join. So come on, join me and hundreds of our listeners at ecmp.info forward slash club. Do you have a problem only an awesome piece of e-commerce tech can solve? Is your e-commerce tech stack not quite fit for purpose anymore? Then you should check out the latest addition to the e-commerce master plan family e-commerce tech. Yes, we've got a new person in the clan or a new website rather in the clan. It's a website where you can explore the latest and best technology on offer. We're going through a hugely changing time in the tech landscape at the moment. And if you want to be bringing the best results you can in your business, then you need to be on top of what's going on in tech. Head to the e-commerce tech website and sign up to our email updates via ecmp.info forward slash tech. That's ecmp.info forward slash t-e-c-h. So ecmp.info forward slash tech to find out all the best tools for your e-commerce store.
And now to introduce our guest expert. Daniel Parrick-Hill is the co-founder and CEO at Flare, where they're on a mission to create more profit and less waste for e-commerce businesses. How cool is that, everyone? Um, hello, Daniel. Hi, Chloe. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. How about yourself? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm excited to talk about what we're talking about today. First off, though, how did you end up in the e-commerce world? For me, it really started uh, outside of university. So I spent three years... Uh, forecasting demand for consumer and retail companies. And that's where I saw uh, one of the biggest challenges where we would spend so much time in Excel and spreadsheets crunching numbers to try and work out what future demand would look like. The way that we did it was we took a load of historical data, we extrapolated, and then we ended up with numbers as forecasts. The challenge was that they were wrong 30% of the time. That's quite good, only being wrong 30% of the time. That's quite advanced in the industry, to be fair. I mean, yeah, it can get it can get towards 50%, which is a bit scary. So, yeah, and then that's where I really saw the problem. And I think when taking a step back, it was like those were all numbers. But then in an actual fact, they're more than numbers. So when we say see pictures of the Atacama Desert in South America... Uh, with all of this waste being produced or UK landfill with fast electronics at the moment. Uh, these were more than just numbers. This was like a huge amount of waste being produced. Um, and the way that most companies have, have tried to solve this problem is by changing the model. So trying to make it more and more complex with the same inputs. And the approach that we started to take, and I won't share too much too early, is um, changing those inputs so that it makes it much, life much, much easier for businesses to, to know what future demand looks like. So, Daniel, you've been involved in the stock side of e-commerce for, for a long time now, both pre and post founding Flare. What was it that led you to decide you needed to create a business to help solve this problem of 30% success rates of predicting what was good and what was bad and creating all this waste? The biggest reason was we wanted to build a future that was that was better for, for people, for businesses and for the planet. We saw this route that we were going down and we saw it as a way that we couldn't continue to go down. Like things things needed to change and we wanted to be that catalyst for change. And the way we thought about doing that is completely changing the way in which we communicate and build our relationships with our customers. So by connecting businesses and customers more closely, you actually bridge that gap of uncertainty between the two much more closely. So it becomes very much more of a collaboration, in fact. And that's how we see the way to us matching demand and supply much more closely is by bridging that gap and, and solving this challenge. It kind of seems like a really obvious thing to do. But in the industry, we spend so long going, well, we couldn't possibly actually ask the customer. <laughs> let's analyse the historic data. Let's look at the trend reports. Let's try and predict rather than go, actually, we could ask the customer. Because, you know, the answers are always in the data, but they're not necessarily in that particular piece of data. So we're going to get into exactly what Flair does and how you're helping tackle the overstock problem in the very near future in this episode. I think we made it pretty clear to everyone why we should be reducing overstock. Uh, it's unprofitable and it's terrible for the planet. I mean, how, you don't really need many more reasons than that. But what other ways have you seen people trying to reduce that overstock? Obviously, you, you mentioned about deep analysis to try and make better predictions of what to buy. But what other things have you seen people trying to do? Yes, yeah, so it's a really good question. One of the one of the ways companies do currently try and tackle it is through analytics, and that can range. So for SMEs, traditionally, it's more of an Excel-based or guesswork-based or 
light touch analytics. And then for some of the larger companies, it tends to be maybe more AI based. The accuracy levels don't necessarily change too much actually between those two solutions. The challenge often with the AI is that it becomes very, very complex in a black box. Um, and so there's sometimes a challenge on how much you trust the numbers that come out of a black box. The other way brands try and reduce waste is through the material side. So having more circularity, using dead stock. And I think that's an amazing way to do it as well. The way that we like to think about and collaborate on how we solve this problem is uh, there's a metaphor around filling up a bathtub. And the circularity side is like using the things that we've already produced more effectively and kind of mopping up the overflow of water in this bath. Where we're focused is actually, is there a way we can start to turn or slow down that tap so we're not pouring more and more water into an overflowing bathtub? Those are the different ways I think it can work hand in hand. I love that idea of let's stop putting so much in the bath in the first place, but let's try and use what's already in the bath. And I think that's, that's such a good way of thinking about it. One of the things that does a small amount I hope that I've heard people doing to, to try and reduce the amount of water that flows into the bath is also placing smaller orders rather than, than committing to a whole season's anticipated uh, stock in one go, paying a bit more, more per unit and ordering less. I can see you nodding. So I'm guessing you, you've, you've seen people doing this as well. Does that make that much difference? It depends on the size of the business. I think uh, one of the challenges lots of smaller businesses have is around minimum order quantities, and that can sometimes be a constraint on doing that. Definitely for some of the larger businesses where you can place smaller orders and maybe production and logistics are much closer to home, then it becomes much more viable. And then it's a question of replenishment. And then if you can be more precise in what that replenishment looks like, you can then, as you say, it can be a solution to reducing the risk of holding stock that ends up not necessarily selling. Now, earlier you were saying, and I was going along, you know, getting quite excited about the idea of actually asking the customers. And what we're talking about is not, as, as every marketer knows, what someone says they do and what they actually do are two very different things. And it's much, much better to get the data of what they actually do, which is one of the amazing things about being in e-commerce, because they're not saying they're going to buy something, they're actually buying it. And that is the solution we're mainly going to talk about for the rest of this episode, which is actually getting the customer to pre-order their product. So then you're only purchasing product that you've essentially already sold. So Daniel, I know you have an issue with the word pre-order. So let's just get that out of the way straight away. So why is the word pre-order bad to describe this type of thing? So yeah, so you're right. Uh, we, don't, we don't actually tend to use the term pre-order. And the main reason is that historically, it's typically been used as a, a phrase or a, a characteristic of out-of-stock products or new products that are coming in. Typically, it's you click a button again, like an add to cart button, you click it and it's there at that point in time, whenever that, all, that stock's coming in, that's when you get it. So it's typically used for out of stock and it typically still has a restriction in terms of choice. And where, where we offer a solution is actually unlocking that choice. So allowing shoppers, customers to be able to make purchases for any point in time in the future across any product. So in-stock products, out-of-stock products. And it's really all about allowing people to plan ahead, be able to purchase products exactly when they need them. And then instead of just being limited to getting something right now, you give businesses that visibility on what that demand looks like in the future. It's an interesting mind shift to think of selling that way. 
Are you finding the brands you're talking to and you're working with are like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna come in, come all in. We're gonna put all our products on sale this way. Are you finding they're going? We'll do like the worst fifty percent of our sellers, but the best sellers we're gonna have in stock. Are you finding that there's a, like a segmented approach going on, or or are people like all in from day one? When we first started out, it definitely was uh, scaling up the number of SKUs over time. Uh, the real positive is that the benefits to a brand scale with the number of SKUs as well. So the three big levers that our customers see is increasing sales. So giving customers that choice drives conversion, secures those orders ahead of time. Cash flow, bringing cash into the business earlier, which is hugely important for working capital and reinvesting in new stock. And then third is cost, so reducing that excess stock and making sure that demand and supply are as close together as possible. A lot of those benefits are proportional to the number of SKUs that are available. So as you move up to 30, 40, 50, 100% of SKUs, those three levers increase as well. And so typically now when we launch with brands, we'll do a lot of testing, we'll make sure everything's working perfectly, but the benefits are there to be had. So it's it's overall increasing sales, making things more difficult for the customer? I, I wouldn't say difficult. I would say it's it's really interesting. Uh, so I think it's really interesting. Uh, my, my background is uh, in behavioral economics, and one of the things we studied was how people make decisions. And over the last few years, we've seen the rise of buy now, pay later. We've seen the rise of impulsiveness and, and credit-driven behaviors. And I think the term convenience has often been matched with the idea of like immediacy. And actually, what we found with with the flare shoppers that we've seen so far is that convenience can actually mean a different thing. Convenience can actually mean wanting something exactly when you want it. So, for example, if you're moving house, it's not necessarily convenient to have your new bed arrive today before you've moved house in two months' time. It's actually convenient for you to go ahead and say, hey, I'd actually like to buy this bed. I would like to secure that order so I don't have to worry about it anymore. And I'd like it to arrive uh, one week after I move into my new place. And so actually, it, it depends how we define convenience. But I think there's an opportunity to, to actually make that less painful for consumers. I, I actually agree with you, I have to say. Choice is always is a good thing. You mentioned beds there. Are you finding you're getting more traction from customers and from brands in any particular category? Is it homewares? Is it furniture? Is it gifts? Where are you finding there's people in brands and the consumers really loving this? Yeah, we have two main areas uh, where we're seeing brands and consumers loving. Uh, the first is the seasonal businesses. So we work a lot with sports and outdoor businesses, fashion businesses, beauty businesses, where the pain or the, the challenge is really knowing, like, well, what is next season going to look like? How, what is sentiment? What, are, what do people want? What do they not want? And then how to manage inventory and stock based on that. The other area is that more forward-looking, whether it is homeware or gifts or maternity, for example, where actually consumers enjoy, like, value, certainty, peace of mind, being able to secure their orders being able to plan ahead and then pass that benefit through to the businesses that they're buying from. I just went through my own little emotional roller coaster there going, maternity, really? And then, oh, actually, no. I worked, did some work with a maternity brand a long time ago and there is a, there's a very small selling window for, in maternity, but I can imagine the maternity buyer, the maternity consumer would love 
whilst they're doing the shopping to, you know, they're, they're planning their maternity wardrobe to go, actually, yeah, those are the perfect jeans. Can I have them in four weeks' time, please? I can totally... I, so I went, I went through a little... Oh, no. Oh, no, actually. <laughs> as, I, as I went through it and trying to see see how that would actually fit in. Um, you shared a case study earlier today, I think I saw. I saw it anyway. LinkedIn does weird things with timing, so maybe you didn't publish it today, about Alps and Meters. Tell us a bit about them and um, what you've done. And I've sprung everybody. I've sprung on Daniel that I'm going to talk about this. So I have the stats here if you don't have perfect recall of what they are on the spot Daniel so don't worry we got the, we got the number so tell us a bit about Alps and Meters and what you've been doing for them yeah so Alps and Meters are, are one of our, our customers they are an alpine ski brand and so they create high quality ski performance wear typically in in the ski brand or winter brand arena like sales can be very seasonal so summer season is typically a quiet season and then it picks up in winter the challenge that they had when we when we first spoke was what winter's going to look like and how do we manage stock ahead of winter to make sure that we're not going out of stock but at the same time that we're not investing in stock that doesn't sell. The reason why it's increasingly painful or challenging is that a lot of the items are high value items as well and so the cost of inventory is high and has a big cash flow effect too. And so that was one of the big challenges they had. And so where we came in is we said, hey, actually, it doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to have this seasonality. You can start to smooth out demand. You can start to secure orders on, on your stock that you currently have and on stock that you're bringing in for the next season. And then adjust your purchase orders over time, adjust your logistics, your distribution to make sure it's as as optimized as possible. So yeah, we started to work together and we saw like continuously more and more shoppers buying ahead of time. And what was really interesting was in the feedback is actually shoppers were benefiting too because they didn't want uh, ski staff sitting around for two months in their apartment. They wanted it when they were going to go on their ski holidays. And so, yeah, it was an amazing partnership um, to be able to, to work with Apps Meters and the team and super excited for, for supporting them over the over the summer and into the winter. Yeah, they're going to be heading towards their busy season roundabout now, aren't they? It's not a Christmassy business. It's a, got a different different place. The numbers I'm going to read out now from this from this post are what actually has happened is 32% of orders are being placed via the flare options. That is serious consumer adoption isn't it? That's consumers going, we do want this service. We're loving this service. So that is that representative of what you tend to see across the board? Yeah. So the average across our customer base is one in three currently. It's pretty aligned across clients. Okay. And then it says shoppers are now adding 12% more to their flare baskets, proving the value from unlocking choice is more than just a vision. It's reality. So does that mean they're spending more because they've got choice than, than they would if it wasn't a flare basket? The two biggest reasons is that a lot of visitors come to, say, a ski website in, in August or September. Traditionally, the only option is to, to buy it right now. And typically, conversion rates are therefore lower because people, people don't want to buy it right now. And so the, the big benefit from a sales perspective is that actually you can, by allowing your customers to order exactly when they want, you can actually start to capture that demand instead of having that abandon rate increase. So that's one side. And then the other side is being able to sell current stock and incoming stock at the same time. So customers can actually combine products in the same basket and get them both delivered at a future date. 
And that's typically then when we see that number of products per basket also increases. Got you. Okay. And you mentioned when you were describing what they've been doing, the logistics side of things. Because of course, if you've got all of this data coming in, it makes doing those frustrating, uh, huge amount of work forecasts for the couriers, for the warehouse, etc., an awful lot more straightforward because you've already got a third of your demand. You know what it is. Yeah, it smooths out throughout the supply chain. So logistics companies have a head start on, on demand. They can pack easier. They can distribute into the relevant warehouses. They know where their future customers are. So it makes their lives easier too. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Are you part of the free Chloe's e-commerce club? Why not? It's my free online club where the whole e-commerce master plan audience can come together. It's all about helping you improve your e-commerce business, solving your marketing challenges, getting advice from other retailers who are facing the same challenges as you right now. And yes, I will personally be hanging out in the club Monday to Friday to help you too, which makes it the only place where you can get my help one-on-one. It really is a club all about you and supporting your business. Come on and join me now. Just Just go to ecmp.info forward slash club. It's totally free to join. So come on, join me and hundreds of our listeners at ecmp.info forward slash club. Do you have a problem only an awesome piece of e-commerce tech can solve? Is your e-commerce tech stack not quite fit for purpose anymore? Then you should check out the latest addition to the e-commerce master plan family e-commerce tech. Yes, we've got a new person in the clan or a new website rather in the clan. It's a website where you can explore the latest and best technology on offer. We're going through a hugely changing time in the tech landscape at the moment. And if you want to be bringing the best results you can in your business, then you need to be on top of what's going on in tech. Head to the e-commerce tech website and sign up to our email updates via ecmp.info forward slash tech. That's ecmp.info forward slash t-e-c-h. So ecmp.info forward slash tech to find out all the best tools for your e-commerce store. It's time for the top tips round. Okay, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. Daniel, are you ready for the top tips? Ready. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? I love this question. Um, and I also love uh, love this choice, uh, but I'm, of course, biased. My favourite book ever is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. It's a book about... So Phil founded Nike, and it's a book about how he went from traveling out to Asia, uh, designing sneakers, and then turning it into a business that has brought so many people together, whether it's through sport or through his company or, or otherwise. And I love, I love the journey that he goes on and find it really inspiring. And so for anyone that's interested in, in shoes and entrepreneurship or just a, a really nice uh, kind of documentary on on how what Phil's journey was like then uh, that would be the book I would recommend passionate recommendation there which is always always good to hear what it means to somebody uh, the traffic top tip which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves the first thing that came to mind was was actually being kind 
So actually, I'll do a mini shout out. Uh, there's a there's a community called Kind Community, and it's a lot of entrepreneurs that come together and all very focused around building a sustainable future and connecting with each other. And yeah, the reason I say being kind is uh, I think it goes a long way. And we, we live in this world where everyone's maybe slightly too impatient and wants things straight away. And I think there's an opportunity to to build a lot of collaboration and partnerships and I think that's it's such a healthy and and slightly different way of sometimes to work together. Partnerships and collaboration are just such a huge opportunity that so many people I think it's because in e-commerce a lot of us are quite ones and zeros focused and so the idea of partnering with somebody not just sending an email to x thousand people or whatever or you know running some google ads just seems like a bit of a leap <laughs> you know it's so good so I'm loving the fact you brought that one up and a kind community certainly sounds like one worth checking out the tool top tip next maybe a collaboration tool a social media plugin a phone app or just a way of working is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day I feel like a lot of people might might, might use a similar similar software so for us we use Notion and Slack uh, as a team and that works really well for us. Uh, in terms of what we do as a team, we every Thursday we go for a team coffee. Uh, it sounds super easy, and but um, it's really it's we love it. It's kind of like a pens down moment where we just go and chat about life and normal things. And then from a personal perspective, one thing that I've done that I really love is I charge my phone outside my room uh, at night, um, and it just like keeps keeps me allows me to switch off before bed it isn't the first thing that I look at when I wake up either and so that's something that's from a personal perspective is what I really liked love those options so two quick follow-up questions uh, one quick follow-up question is team coffee is that a virtual coffee or a physical real world coffee it's a physical real world coffee uh we're so we're based in Holborn in London and we like to choose different cafes in the area that we go to each time oh cool so a bit of like a week by week cafe crawl as well mm -hmm. very nice yes. okay and then the carbon top tip i'm expecting a good one here uh given given what you're, you're up to uh, what's your favorite way to reduce the carbon footprint of an e-commerce business favorite way has got to be install flare <laughs> well you had to say it really didn't you it would have been a massive error if you hadn't <laughs> um have you got another one for us as well the one big area particularly relevant to, to what we're chatting about today is is reducing excess production there's a stat that uh if you pile up all of the fashion waste in the world it would reach the height of mount everest every seven minutes and so this is a big challenge and uh, it is one that is worth solving and that's my favourite way to reduce carbon footprint. Yeah, it's like even if you don't believe on the climate thing, the money involved in that Everest every seven minutes, did you say? That's just hideously wrong on every front. That's going to stick with me for a while. I suspect that image is going to stick with the listeners for a while. It's the first time I've heard that one. And that is, I know the fashion situation is shocking, but that just, that's extra shocking. Daniel, thank you very much for being on the show. It's been great chatting to you. Before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and Flair? Yes. So we are at getflair.co.uk or you can drop me a message at Daniel Parrot Hill on LinkedIn or daniel at getflair.co.uk. And what does Flare currently integrate with on the platforms? 
I'm going to guess you're on Shopify. What else are you on, if anything, at this stage? You're right. We're, we're live on Shopify. So we work with Shopify and Shopify Plus businesses. And then we can also build out solutions for Enterprise 2. Excellent. Cool. Love it. Thank you very much, Daniel. And like I said, thank you so much for coming on. This is such a big old topic and one which, if people can but get it sorted, is going to improve their cash flow, improve their profits and be better for the planet. It's like a no-brainer. Listeners, it should be on all of your to-do lists for 2024. Okay. Daniel, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Chloe. So it's time to get in control of your overstocks, to improve your cash flow, to improve your profitability, to reduce waste, to help out the planet. It has to be a good idea, right? Stop producing stuff you're not going to sell and sell what you're going to sell to customers who are happier to receive it and who are going to pay you more for it. It's not a crazy idea, but it's something we as an industry struggle with again and again and again. So I hope what our discussions with Daniel um, have shown you that it's an area of huge potential. It's an area where there's lots to be gained. And if any of you try out Flair's software, the pre-orders that aren't pre-orders, he grimaced every time I use the word pre-order, then do let me know how you get on with it. I'd love to hear. To get your hands on our notes from this episode, including Daniel's lovely top tips and links to what we've mentioned, head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or use our direct episode short links. Just put ecmp.info forward slash episode number into the URL bar and you'll be redirected straight to the correct episode page. And when you get to the website, do add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business. And if you liked this episode, then why not check out episode 465 with Alison Metcalf, where we were talking about doing better merchandising, which is all that spreadsheet stuff, or is in part all that spreadsheet stuff that Daniel was talking about at the beginning of our chat. Alison is fascinating. She's ex-John Lewis merchandiser, 13 years experience in fashion at John Lewis, and um, she shared so much in her interview. And there's also another way of dealing with the waste that e-commerce businesses create, Episode 435, where we're chatting with Zoe Rosewell, who is ex-Topshop, did many years doing very cool things at Topshop and is now running a app called Turn Eco, which is about taking control of the waste in the product after the customer has finished using it. So, So buyback schemes and that kind of stuff. Fascinating lady, fascinating episode. So those two, 465 and 435, would be well worth a a listen if a read, Chloe, it's not a book, it's a podcast, would be well worth a listen if you are intrigued by what we've been talking about with Daniel today. Thank you for tuning into this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners like you to succeed and thrive with your businesses, including becoming more sustainable and more profitable. So if you know someone this show can help, please tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.
Don't miss out. It's time you joined Chloe's e-commerce club, our free club that's all about helping you grow your e-commerce store. Join right now for free at ecmp.info forward slash club.